The LA Clippers were looking to bounce back in the second half of a back-to-back after their terrible loss against the Orlando Magic on Saturday afternoon. They'd have Kawhi Leonard back for this one. No Jeremy Grant for the Blazers, and the Clippers came out victorious. But it was looking shaky for a while. What changed and what sparked the Clippers to a big win in that second half? Going to be talking about it all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. My name is Darian Vaziri. I'm the host of Locked On Clippers and the host of my very own YouTube channel and podcast, Dime Dropper, where I talk more LA sports and LA Clipper content and was live after this one. It's also my 18th year as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. And, of course, subscribe to Locked On Clippers on YouTube. Turn on the notification bell so you know every single time we post a video. And we're free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is my favorite daily fantasy entry app to make and make predictions on whether guys will score more or less than the projections. Going to be talking about all that good stuff later. But for this episode, going to be talking to you about what I felt was the change for the Clippers in this game. What players or what player or players flipped the game in the second half and made the Clippers run away with it? And also, why no game feels very easy for the Clippers. So let's get right into it. The Clippers going into Portland. The Portland Trailblazers have lost five games in a row. Jeremy Grant has missed the last week. They are the fourth worst defensive team in the league eighth best offensive team and right now they are slowly but surely falling out of play in territory they still are mathematically alive but this is a big loss as well and no jeremy grant makes it tougher cam reddish and matisse tybel start alongside or started alongside yusuf nurkic damian lillard and anthony simons the main thing about the blazers in my opinion in which the clippers have a big edge is the bench the, the Blazers have some guys in Trendon Watford, Nasir Little, you know, Drew Eubanks, guys that the casual NBA fan may not even know. The Clippers, on the other hand, have very notable names that made a big difference in this game. But I also think the Blazers bench wasn't horrendous in this one. The Clippers just did a very good job on the main guys, the star backcourt of Simons and Dame. And I say that with Anthony Simons hasn't been an all-star yet, but he can go off for games like a star can. And the clear strategy for the Clippers was no drop coverage. Come up hard and hedge the screen and worry about your rotations or allow your rotations to make the Blazers move the ball. So they were trying to get the ball out of Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons' hands, and they did a good job of that. But Yusuf Nurkic had himself a first quarter on that roll, and the rotations were just late. Same as Orlando game, not New York game or Toronto game. Late on the rotations, and look, when you throw two people at the ball handler when it's Ivica Zubats out there to you know to help a point guard on a screen. And in that case, the point guard was Russell Westbrook guarding Damian Lillard. So when we don't start a Terrence Mann or Nico Batum, it's that same conversation that I always have. 
Paul George and Kawhi Leonard aren't going to be tasked with guarding the best players in the other team. So who's guarding that guy to start the game? In this game, it was Russell Westbrook. And teams aren't going to get the guys that Paul George and Kawhi are guarding to set a screen for who Dame or who Russ is guarding because they don't want Kawhi and Paul George to guard a guy like Dame instead of a Russ. They don't want to put Kawhi and Paul in the action because they'll switch on to their best player. They'd rather have the easier matchup, which is the weakest defender, or whoever is guarding them, which is Russ or Senior, whoever it may be, and having their center set the screen. So now you're putting the big in the pick and roll. So with Zubats coming up and hedging, that was allowing them to get all those pocket passes to Nurkic, and he was just shooting over chairs. You know, the rotations were late, and here's the thing. When you make that rotation, you either have to intercept the pass or be there so that when he catches it in turns, you are making him either travel, you're making him adjust, you're not giving him an easy shot. When he catches the ball and he sees you arriving late and he's just shooting a floater, think about it. The person rotating is helping on the center's man. So you are going to be shorter than the other, other team's center because if it's just who is already out guarding the perimeter. So for them, when they catch the ball and you're late arriving, that's an easy shot shooting over a chair. And the Clippers were lucky that the Blazers were missing the threes in the beginning and the Clippers were hitting some. You know, Marcus Morris hit one in the first quarter. Kawhi hit one in the first quarter. And Kawhi was uber aggressive in the first. Five for nine from the field and just hitting mid-ranges, hitting threes. And Ivica Zubats, or should I say hit a three, Ivica Zubats also got going early. Russ did a good job of feeding him around the basket. And I think Russ does a better job of anyone on the team of feeding, actually feeding Zoo. I've been calling for more Zoo all season long. But he had like six points with a snap of a finger as the game began. And the Clippers were up 30-15. to 15, But they closed the quarter poorly. A 7-0 Blazer run in the last 70 seconds. And the second quarter, they just forgot how to play basketball. Kawhi Leonard only shot once in the quarter. Paul George started the game 1-for-8. Russell Westbrook was turning the ball over. Had four turnovers in the first half. Some terrible passes. One that was a lot pass over the top that he's made with ease so far as a clipper. And he hit, it hit the rim. Also just missing shots around the basket. Getting blocked. Being invited to take mid-ranges and not hitting any of them. It was not a good first half for Russ. Even though he made some decent passes. I personally thought as of the first half his assist looked misleading. Like he probably got some generous ones. Or ones that guys, the shot being made was more impressive than the pass. But Clippers went into halftime up by four because Paul George closed the first half decently after being one for eight and not playing much defense. But in the second half, what changed the game was two guys in particular. Paul George and Eric Gordon. Paul George, it's just like... So many stars have this in the NBA today, but when they start playing better defense, it not only takes their game to another level, but it's infectious for the rest of the team. And Paul George in the second half started playing the defense that we saw against the Knicks, against the Blazers, against the Warriors, sharp on rotations, not letting Nurkic just walk into stuff, got a couple of steals, guarded Damian Lillard more, and started getting to the basket at will, catching the ball at the elbow, was getting to work. And all but one of PG's made field goals in the second half were inside the paint. All of them but one. You love to see that from Paul George. And as I said, even though Kawhi Leonard and Paul George aren't that great at getting to the rim anymore, they can still do it when they put their mind to it and get aggressive. And they're going to do that in the playoffs, hopefully. And when the Clippers were up 76-72, to 
Eric Gordon and Terrence Mann came in the game at the 435 mark of that third quarter and flipped the game. Terrence Mann was solid, but it was mainly Eric Gordon. Three threes to end that third quarter. Kawhi Leonard created most of them, coming off screens, and they were taking away the lob, taking away the mid-range, leaving shooters open. Terrence Mann made a couple of extra passes. And one thing about Eric Gordon, he alongside Kawhi Leonard are probably the only guys in the team. I'd actually put Marcus Morris in that conversation as well that utilize the pump fake very well. That's a big lost art, in my opinion, in today's game. A lot of guys don't lean to the pump fake as much, but I think Kawhi does a much better job of using it than Paul George. PG uses it at the three, but everywhere else, not as much. Kawhi does a great job of using it at the foul line, stopping on a dime, making guys think whether they want to jump or not. But Eric Gordon does a good job of using it when guys close out on him hard. He stepped into three threes and was five for six in the second half and three for four from deep. EJ played the rest of the game from that 4 minute 35 second mark of the third quarter to the end. So it makes me ask a question because on the last episode I had, I talked about how the second unit guys can't play that long in a row. They got to take a rest. But Eric Gordon's 35 and he played basically 15, 16 straight minutes of NBA basketball. So if that's the case, then Terrence Mann should be able to do that instead of senior some nights or Nico. So you don't have to play senior for that second stint. And Dan Craig, the assistant coach, who was taken over for Ty Lue tonight, who was sick, get well soon, Ty, didn't do anything differently than Ty, by the way. I want to snip that in the bud right away. For anyone that's going to say, oh, we won because it was a different coach, he did the exact same things that Ty did, the same sets, and that's not his fault. When you're an assistant coach, an interim coach, you are just filling out the orders from above. It's the head coach's system. I've had moments, and obviously at lower levels, where I was a coach of a team and I couldn't show up for a weekend or whatnot, and I gave people instructions after I've worked with the team the whole year. Same with Ty Lue. The only difference was, and it's not even different because we see Ty Lue do it sometimes, where he closes with Eric Gordon instead of senior. In the last couple of games... He went with senior, at least the last game, but Eric Gordon has closed some of the games. He was phenomenal in this one. 20 points off the bench for the Clippers from EJ. 7 for 9 from the field, 4 for 5 from 3 in 28 minutes. He played more minutes than Marcus Morris and played more minutes than any bench player. But Paul George was the man in this one for me. He turned the game with his defensive effort and just his effort overall getting to the basket. 29 points, which is a team high. I think it was a game high. It was a a game-high 29 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, 1 block, and my favorite stat, only 2 turnovers. He took much better care of the ball in this one. Clippers only turned the ball over 9 times, Portland 13. So anytime the Clippers can have under 10 turnovers, they got a much better chance of winning the game. He was 8 for 22 from the field, which doesn't sound great, but if you split it by half, it'll show what I'm talking about. 3 for 6 from deep for him, 10 for 12 from the line. He was the man. He and Eric Gordon flipped the game for me and the Clippers. Even though they gave the second quarter, they gave no quarter besides that. Won the fourth quarter, 24 to 19. My favorite stat there is the 19. They didn't allow that many points. And they outscored the Blazers 58 to 47 in the second half. To win it, even though it didn't feel comfortable, 117 to 102. They now move on to 38 and 34, have won five straight games with Kawhi. But coming up, why was it uncomfortable? Why was it in a game that the Clippers were winning the entire way? Did we feel uneasy? Going to be talking about that coming up. But before I do that, I got to talk to you about prize picks. Prize picks is the best daily fantasy entry app where you can make predictions 
on projections that Prize Picks has whether guys will score more or less than them on Monday. I'm taking Gordon Hayward against the Pacers to hit the under on his points. It's at 15 and a half right now, and he hasn't been playing really well lately in terms of scoring. So I'm going to go with the under there because I also think that the Pacers are going to have so much incentive to win that game. They're going to play hard. But then again, it is Gordon Hayward in Indiana where he played college. So who knows? But Zach Levine, big game against the Sixers tomorrow. I got him with 25 and a half points as the under for that one because I don't know. I just feel like it's a big game. Philadelphia's a good team. Don't think he'll play that well. But I could be wrong. And how does it work? All you got to do is pick two to six players and predict that they'll score more or less in the prize picks projection, just like that. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry, and it's not competing against anyone else. It's just you versus the projections. And prize picks offers those on any sport that you watch. It could be NHL, NBA, the NCAA tournament, whatever. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They're safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Just download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to get don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit matchup to $100. All right, back here as the Clippers beat the Blazers 117 to 102, move on to 38 and 34, now over 500 yet again on the road, 19 and 18. Blazers slipped to 31 and 40 and are one game under 500 at home. But the reason why the Clippers make these games uncomfortable is because they don't guard at the point of attack very well. We start with the game Russell Westbrook's guarding Dame. Now I know we switch. But as I said in the first segment, most teams are going to want to play with the 1-5 pick and roll. They want Russell Westbrook. If Russ is guarding De'Aaron Fox or Damian Lillard, which we saw in that Sacramento game, then they're not going to have Kawhi Leonard's man come set a screen or P's man come set a screen. They're going to want the center to come so they can have Russ and Zubats guard the pick and roll. And Russ does not show resistance on screens. However, in the second half, he did a little bit better against Dame, I will say. But overall, not a very good Russ game for me. Too many turnovers. Couldn't score. And these are shots that the defense is giving him that he has to make. But he was uh, a team, I'm pretty sure a game high in rebounding. Yeah, he was. 12 rebounds in this game and 10 assists. He was one point away from a triple-double. So that being said, he still found ways to contribute. And I liked some of the passes he made in that third quarter. Download a PG to Zoo. The one thing I'll give him is he actually gives Zoo the ball. But he was doing a good job passing, even though I said some of the assists were a little bit, you know, not clear cut. Like, he didn't feel like he had as many assists as he had, but he still did have some good passes. 10 assists and 12 rebounds. The rebounding is mainly what I love. And for him to get four offensive rebounds, he has amazing anticipation with those long misses. So I got him credit there. At least he found other ways to contribute. Something that guys like Reggie Jackson and John Wall weren't really doing. And I also think it was a good decision to play him a little bit less, which Dan Craig did. But 34 minutes is still a pretty decent chunk. And we closed the game with him. So that made me a little bit nervous. That's also part of my uneasiness. But it is what it is. Nine points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists for Russ. And what I did love is that he didn't turn the ball over in the second half. He had those four turnovers in the first half. But after that, he made a concerted effort to take care of the ball. So for him to not have any more turnovers is big. But three for 12 from the field, that's only 25%. Only got to the line twice. Probably got away with some, um, or you know, there probably were some fouls that went on called. But one thing I liked is that he only shot two threes. And one of them, 
The one that he missed, I didn't think he should have shot it because there was plenty of time on the shot clock. But he was one for two, so we'll take that. But the main thing is, guys, as I said, he's guarding the point of attack to start games. That's a no-no. And the rotations need to be sharp, if they are. Because right now, so many guards are dying on screens that Zubots has to step up. And now his man is left alone. That rotation needs to be sharp. It's not Zubots' fault that all these centers are going off. It's because we struggle to guard the guy with the ball and fight over the screen. So Zubots has to fully commit. He can no longer just play two guys. He needs to fully commit. And if he does, the weak side rotation or the corner rotation needs to be sharp. And Marcus Morris... I mean, it's getting insane at this point. I don't think he was horrendous. His plus-minus looks fantastic because he's playing alongside Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Nivitsa Zubats. And, hey, I think your plus-minus might look good, too, if you're playing alongside those guys as well. But Marcus Morris wasn't that great. He had a moment where he airballed a three, and after his first, like, two shots, his legs just went. All his shots were short. He had an airball, and then on the way back, he got blown by so easily. No screen needed. Just blown by. And it's just comical that Robert Covington continues to still get DNPs for this guy. Nothing personal at all. I love Marcus Morris, but it's wild because there's just no... You'd have to just really lean into some manipulation of the numbers to make a case for this because he is not playing better basketball and is not better than those guys. Nico Batum and Terrence Mann actually are the only... It's, it's just crazy that our point of attack defense gets better when our bench comes in. When you have two guys... Your best point of attack defenders that you, you know, besides Kawhi and Paul George, who you obviously don't deploy on the star players for offensive purposes, and you have those two guys coming off your bench, that's not a sign of a team that takes defense seriously. So that's the biggest issue. My nerves were that the Clipper defense never looked great. Paul George looked good. Ivica Zubats looked good. But guys like Russ, and I will say Eric Gordon as well, but guys like Russ were making me a little nervous. Guys like Senior, and I think, you know, playing Senior a little bit less in that second half definitely helped. thought Eric Gordon was decent. But the, the plan was to get the ball out of Dame's hands, out of Simons' hands, contest all their shots, and we did a great job of that. Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard were a combined 10 for 32 in this game. So you got to give the Clippers credit. I think they showed a stat that Damian Lillard scores the least amount of points against any team uh, in the league against the Clippers. Lowest career PPG. And 21 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists. Looks like a good stat line for Dame. But 4 for 17 from the field and 1 for 8 from 3 to a guy that's averaging 32 points this year. We did a great job on him. He did get to the line 13 times, which was more than anyone in the game, even more than Paul George. And he made 12 of them to get his 12 out of his 21 points came from the line. But overall, PG was still the highest scorer in the game. PG, to me, was the best player in the game. And Damian Lillard didn't have a good game. Anthony Simons also, 16.6 assists. Sounds okay, but 6 for 15 from the field and 1 for 7 from deep. The Blazers as a team were 20.7%, so 21% from 3 on 6 for 29 shooting, and the Clippers 12 for 28 from 3 on 43%. So when you turn the ball over less than a team and you shoot better from 3 and you have the best player on the court or the leading scorer, you're going to win <laughs> more often than not. And Paul George to me was a player of the game, but Kawhi Leonard, he played 40 minutes. The only player in the game for either team that played 40, which might make you nervous, but he didn't play yesterday, so it's okay to me. 24 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. Slowed down a bit in the second half, but he got it going a little more in the fourth. An efficient 10 for 20. I mean, it didn't even feel like he shot that efficiently. 10 for 20 in the game, 50%. The reason why is because he was 2 for 7 from 3, so finally a game where he didn't shoot 50% from 3. But Kawhi, and only 2 free throw attempts, made both. 
but Kawhi continues to be really good. Probably one of his weaker games in a while. I mean, I think he was definitely better in the Warriors game, definitely better in the Knicks game, definitely better in the Toronto game, and definitely better in the Memphis game. So it was one of his weaker games in a while, probably his weakest since that Minnesota game. Or was it Golden State? I think it was the Golden State game. But he got the job done. 24 points, 5 boards, 10 for 20. We'll take that all day. If it's a Zubats, 14 points and 10 rebounds. And coming up, going to be talking about something that made me really angry and why I think if it's a Zubats needs to do something to make a statement. Going to be talking about that coming up. Before I do that, I got to talk to you about Nissan's most electric player of the week. And last week, I had to go with Kawhi Leonard because I already talked about it last uh, on the last episode, but Kawhi Leonard... He was just awesome, shooting the ball from everywhere, playing good D. Um, and the thing about the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week, it's brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And the Nissan Aria and Kawhi Leonard both share their fierceness, their power, and their speed. And they deliver on du- and the concept it delivers on duality. It's a combination of fierceness and elegance, beautiful but strong, just like Kawhi. And it's the perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The electric vehicle for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Let me tell you something about Built Bar. I miss Built Bar. When are they going to send me more? The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for the raspberry because it's a beautiful mixture of that chewy goodness, but a little bit of fruity, tangy sourness. It reminds me of those Brookside pomegranate things, you know, those circular guys. But I really like it. And if you want the LA Clippers to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a random drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puff delivered straightly, straightly, monthly, straight to your door. You gotta try Built because Built's the best protein bar ever. They're so good, you wouldn't think they're good for you. They're made with 100% real chocolate. They have a chewy interior that comes off kind of like Rolos or 100 grand. And they're high in protein, low in sugar, which you can't even tell. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. All right. So the thing that really pissed me off in this game is that Ivica Zubats had, I want to say, six points in the first quarter. Six points, three for four, and the rest of the game. The rest of the game. Sorry, I had a hiccup there. Rest of the game, he only scored eight points. Like. We need to get this guy the ball more. He shouldn't go quarters on quarters or minutes on minutes without getting a touch. When he catches the ball in the low post on the block or in the restricted area or around that area, he's very efficient from there. He's got a good right-handed jump hook, and he gets fouled. Yes, he'll miss some shots here and there, but you deserve to give him the ball for how he's bailing everybody out on defense and has all season. He's been a presence down there, and he has to overcompensate for guys that aren't working hard enough getting over screens. So... 
Zoo needs to be fed the ball more. It's insane to me. I mean, seven for 11. He's too efficient and too consistent to be only making him. Like, he can have more 20 and 10 games, not just 10 and 10 games. And I think that's partially on the coaching staff as well. you got to draw up more plays for the guy. You just make him a pick and roll guy. And yes, he's a role player, but he's also capable of getting a basket. And I'm never going to be anti getting a guy that scores around the basket more touches. You know what I'm saying? Two feet in the paint or one foot in the paint for a seven-footer is never bad for your basketball team. So constantly just using him as a pick-and-roll man when he can be throwing the ball sometimes as well and you see what happens when you do it, you just go away from it as the game goes on, really disappoints me. And one thing I love about Russell Westbrook is he does give him the ball. But let's read the stat lines from some of the other guys. I talked about Paul George, Kawhi, Zoo, and Russes, but Marcus Morris, seven points, four rebounds on three for eight shooting, one for four from three, not good defensively in 24 minutes of play. Nicholas Batum, I thought he offered more resistance defensively for sure when he came in, but still can't hit the three ball right now. One for three from deep for Nico. Those were all his shots in 16 minutes of play, only three points, but he also had three assists and a steal. Mason Plumley, I thought had a much better game than yesterday or on Saturday. Seven points, five rebounds. He finished around the basket pretty well and had some decent defensive moments contesting shots as well. Three for six from him in 14 minutes. And then Terrence, four points, four assists on one for three shooting. Those assists, some of them were to Eric Gordon, but I love what T does. He had an even plus minus, but doesn't really say much. I love having his presence on the court. Makes the Clippers more athletic, makes the Clippers a better team. But Nico Batum, in the last 10 games, just for reference, he's still shooting 39% from three. Now, this game hasn't been added, I don't think, to the stats yet, so it might change. But he's shooting 38% on on the year from three, so just keep shooting Nico. I know he'll find a stroke. But big win for the Clippers, needed that one badly. And because of the Phoenix Suns' loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Sunday, the Clippers are now, again, only one game behind the Suns in the loss column and the Warriors are now two games even behind the Clippers in that seventh spot first playing spot or last playing spot however you want to call it the Clippers are starting to separate themselves from a playing possibility but are inching closer to a potential battle with the Phoenix Suns and I might have to talk about what how I feel about that and seeding on the next episode on Tuesday Thank you for making Locked On Clippers your first listen today. Now make your second listen Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where I went live after the game for a raw reaction. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On Clippers and hit the notification bell so you know every time we post a video. And comment on today's pinned question, who was your player of the game? The age-old proverb continues, great to get back to winning ways. We only got 10 games left, people, 10 games. It's the home stretch. The maximum amount of wins the Clippers can get is 48. They can't even be a 50-win team this year. Ugh. But we'll see. One game at a time, right? If they go 10-0 to end the season, I mean, we'll be feeling good going to the playoffs. Go Clippers. Have a great day.